You're listening to the Keep Writing Podcast, a resource for Christian women who are ready to write their first book, and then more, so they can guide their readers into spiritual freedom while guiding their own families into financial freedom. I'm Mika Maples, and this is episode 103, Take a Step of Obedience. I'm happy to feature my wonderful friend, Cassie Reed, on the podcast today. Dr. Cassie Reed is a licensed professional counselor who is passionate about the synthesis of counseling and hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. She loves to teach others about how to integrate this concept into their daily life, professional career, and ministry practice. She's in the identity business, and she loves seeing people come alive as who they were called to be. Cassie is the Director of Marriage and Family Therapy at the King's University in Southlake, Texas. Dr. Cassie Reed spoke at a live event I hosted recently, and I had to share her message with a wider audience. I had asked her to speak that day on the topic of developing in our God-given skill, and I can't think of a more appropriate message for Christian writers who want to step into a calling that they so often feel underprepared for. Here's Dr. Cassie Reed. Enjoy. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. Does anybody want to be best friends with Becky? It's me, I do. I I call first in line. Thanks. Hi, I'm so excited to be with you. I'm Cassie Reed, and I have to tell you, okay, so we're dreaming, right? We're dreaming today. We're vision casting. I love it so much. It's actually been a practice of my husband and I for some time to set time to have vision for our year, for um, our career, just for our life, for our family. So, I mean, I just want to applaud you because this takes intentionality, it takes dedication, it takes maneuvering, it takes babysitters, (laughs) it takes all the things to be here today. And so I just want to say I value this, and I was so honored when Nika asked me to come. So I just want to tell you a story. I'm always about looking at the places where the Lord has brought me from to where he's brought me to. Um, I really have, I'm, I'm honored that you would say that about me, Nika, about just hitting out of the park. I've just asked the Lord my whole life, hey, what do you want me to do? Um, just open the door and I'll go. Like, obediences has been how I've gotten where I've gotten. But I was remembering when I was getting ready for this. Um, so I met Nika a long, long time ago, not in person. You know, like one of those things where you meet somebody and you're like, oh my gosh. And I was remembering back. I used to work in Keller ISD when she worked in Keller ISD, and I remember sitting in a convocation. I worked at Central High School, and I remember sitting at a convocation and hearing her speak, and just something in my spirit leapt, because I was like, she knows the Lord. Like, she follows the Lord. Like, I like her. I want to know her. And I just remember um, having that moment. And we had never met in person. She was at a different campus. But I was reminded of this because the Lord knows every single detail. And if I would have said to you in 20, that I was not, that I was going to be here speaking at 
a day of vision casting with Nika, I would have never imagined it. So I just want to say that to you, that right now your situation and your circumstance might look a certain way. And you might say, oh my gosh, Becky, let's be friends. I really mean it. Like, but like literally you might say that and you might think to yourself, okay, um, this is what I want to do and I see it, but I just don't, there's no road. You know, there's no way. I, don't, I will tell you so many things in my life have come back to me have come back to me through relationships, have been things that I thought should happen in X number of time, but it's been this much time. And so I just want to honor Nika for who she is always in every setting, in every situation. It came full circle too. I actually met her in person when we connected at the King's University. And it was just one of those things that I remember when she came in, I was like, oh my gosh, like I remember when you spoke at Central High. So it was just really cool to um, just to be here today. So I get to talk to you about skill. And I just want to applaud your skill of no notes. I'm the opposite because the Lord tells me things and I have to like get them all written down. And I'm a little scattered. I used to apologize for it, but I don't anymore. So if you lose me, just wave me down and I will um, help you get caught up if um, I lose you along the way. So one of the things that the Holy Spirit has taught me is I always look at definitions. So when I'm asked to speak about something, I love Merriam-Webster because the Holy Spirit speaks to me through the dictionary. I know it's crazy, but it's really true. Like the Holy Spirit talks to me. So I looked up the definition of skill. The first part of it is the ability to use one's knowledge effectively and readily in execution or performance. The ability to use one's knowledge effectively and readily in execution or for for performance. I felt like I heard the Lord say this. He already has equipped you with the skill. It is your doubt and unbelief in yourself that's keeping you from seeing the actual tools in your tool belt. So I'll tell a story. I actually started out college as an economics major. I'm a therapist. I don't know if y'all knew that, but I'm a therapist by trade. I work at the King's University and I train other therapists. And I started out as an economics major. People who know me would be like, okay, okay, because that is so not me. I love people. All my skills love people. That is um, sitting behind a desk crunching numbers is not what I would want to do. But I remember I was in a church service and the Holy Spirit spoke to me probably one of the clearest times in my life. And he said, Cassie, I want you to get all the tools in your tool belt, but not for economics, for therapy. And I remember the Lord saying that to me and then kind of knowing what he meant by that. And I feel like this for you prophetically is that you already have the skills It's just you don't realize they're already around your belt. That there are things that the Lord has birthed within you from an early age that you might not even know or see or have activated yet. And I feel like our doubt and our unbelief are the things that stand between us and where we're called to be. Okay, another part of the definition is this. Dexterity or coordination, especially in the execution of learned physical tasks dexterity or coordination, especially in the execution of learned physical tasks. So what I felt about this this definition, this piece of it, is that you already know. I felt like that's what I heard the Holy Spirit say. You already know. And if you don't really know, you know how to know. You know how to get the skill. Now it's the application and the execution. And what I find is, like I was saying earlier, my life is a domino effect of obediences. Like the what people say to me all the time, they think it's a compliment. It's really not. Have you ever had somebody like, how did you get here? I'm always like, mm-hmm, okay. 
Like, it's not, they don't mean it the way they're asking it, but people will ask me all the time, how did you get here? You're young. You're the chair of a department. Like, what are you doing? Like, how, how did you get to own a practice? Like, how did you? And it's literally one obedience at a time. That's how I've gotten where I've gotten. But I feel like stepping out in obedience is the application and the execution of what God has already placed within me. If I don't step, I could have all the things But if I don't take the minute to put it out there, if I don't take the risk to say, I'm laying this skill out there, I'm going to tell you I'm good at this. If I have to be transparent, the Lord has been calling me to do something for a year. And I haven't had the guts to step out and do it. And it's funny because 2020, you know, I don't know why it is, but this new year, you get the new revelation of like, yes. So it's funny that the Lord didn't just Um, say, I want you to do it. He gave me an opportunity to actually do it just this week. I just got back from it yesterday. And I felt like when I was there, it was like this puzzle piece that you couldn't find the last one. And then you find it and you're so happy because it's smooth and beautiful and awesome. And it's like, I felt like the Lord said, I've been asking you for a year to step out. And I just say that because I think so many times it's easy to stand up here and tell you what has gone well for me or to say that I've always been obedient. I've always done the right thing. But I just want to be transparent and honest that just yesterday, just all of 2019, I chose to ignore a directive from the Holy Spirit and I missed out on a whole year of opportunity to walk in a calling that God has given me. Don't do it. Don't be like me when it comes to that. Okay, another part of the definition is this. A learned power of doing something competently. A developed aptitude or ability. A learned power of doing something competently. A developed aptitude or ability. I felt like I heard the Holy Spirit say it isn't about the competence. It's about the power behind it. And here's the thing. I'm not the best therapist. I've had to come to terms with this, my insecurity. I've had to like really like deal with it. I'm not the best therapist by far. I'm not the most trained. I'm not the most educated. I'm not the most equipped with letters after my name. I have a lot, but I don't have all of them. I'm not. But the fact of it is, I have power behind what I do. I feel like the Holy Spirit has mandated me to do what I do. And I feel like that power gives me authority in places where I may not generally or organically have it. And I feel the same for you. There are places that you are to take dominion over that the Holy Spirit has given to you and you've doubted yourself. You've said, I'm not the best. I'm not sure. I don't know. Maybe there's somebody better. Well, I realize there's always somebody better. I hate the Joneses, whoever they are. You know, there's always someone with more. There's always someone with another thing or or the newest, biggest, baddest. But the key is just to be staying in your lane. I'm going to stay in my lane for what the Lord has told me to do. We typically underestimate our ability rather than see our potential. So I feel like with so many people, kind of like she was saying, is like we, we don't look at the gratitude, this white mocha is amazing. You know, we don't say that. Like, we're always like, oh, it's too hot. It's too cold. It's too this. It's too that. And I feel like that's what we do as people. We're too busy nitpicking and saying when, then, if, uh, this, that, the other, rather than saying right now, right here, right now, I have potential in this moment. 
and I want to connect with it. You know, one of the things that, that I feel too in that, and I just wrote it down, I literally just asked the Holy Spirit, so, but, you know, one of the things that I always heard someone say, and, and I've kind of stuck to, is says, favor ain't fair. And I think so many times we think about favor and we think about people who have opportunities and have situations and have circumstances. And I'm like, you know what? It, it is favor. But on the, on the flip side, I think it's a, just a yes. Sometimes people are just waiting for someone to say yes, for someone to say do it, for someone to say go. Instead, everyone's kind of waiting around sometimes, you know, and not just saying the yes, when really that's what favor is. Favor is obedience. Favor is you stepping out. Favor is you saying, I'm not afraid. I'm not going to let fear rule the day. So I love the vision, and it kind of goes with today. It's Habakkuk 2.2. It's one of my life scriptures. It says, write the vision, make it plain, so that he can run who, run who reads it. And this is the Kathy paraphrase. But it also says, it will not tarry, but wait for it, for it surely will come. And I literally, that has been my life scripture for a long time because I think it goes along with the vision retreat that my husband and I do. It's like, we got to write some things down. And the key to writing things down and what we do each year is we go back and look at the previous year. So I know it's, ours is coming up. We do it a little later in the month. But I know I'm going to go back to January 2019. And I'm going to see the thing that I didn't do for all of 2019. I know it's going to be listed there, but there's power in writing it down. There's power in documenting it. There's power in putting it down. So I was asking the Lord about dreaming. Is that okay? Can we talk about that for a second? Everybody good? I'm in college. I teach college. So I'm used to people like kind of talking back to me a little bit. So feel free. Like you're welcome to like flat. I'm like, hold on. They're so quiet. <laughs> okay. So dream. Let's, let's talk about dreaming a little bit. I felt like the Holy Spirit said it's essential that you dream. It's essential that you dream. Like that scripture, write the vision, make it plain. Like it's essential that you have a vision. It's essential that you have something to make plain. It's essential that you have something that you can write down in your life that causes you to run, causes you to go. Like I think about Nika in this, and just even this day, this conference, it's like she's been running. She's had that thing written down since, what'd you say, June? June. She's been running. She had something. She saw it ahead. And today, I mean, seeing it come to life, there's such power to that. Because what's next? There's something next. Yeah, everyone. Yes. So I felt like I heard the Lord say this, is that we've got, there's levels of dreams. And this may be, I feel like it's the Holy Spirit, but then it might be like me. I was thinking about, I was a college, high school counselor, helping people get into college. And I felt like the Lord said that what we do is we try to have one level of dream. We say, okay, I've got this one. This is it. This one middle lane, kind of safe. Okay, so when you think about t telling high school kids to apply for college, it's like you've kind of got your, your schools that would be like a great fit. You've got your schools that would be like, you're going to get in, no problem. And then you've got your schools over here that we would say are reach schools, Right? And I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me to say to you, like, you, some of you haven't had a reach dream in a long time. You've actually dreamt over here. You've dreamt over here where it's like, easy, got this, no problem. And even this lane right here where it's for you, but you haven't even walked here. And I feel like he's saying to you, I want you to have some reach dreams. Some things that seem too big for me. Some things that seem too big for you. Some things that seem virtually impossible because I feel like that's where he shows up. 
I feel like there are different types of dreams, just practically. And I feel like if you're going to set dreams, sometimes we get, um, we get pigeonholed in a way, too. It's like personal dreams. I have personal dreams. Personal. Cassie Reed, these are mine. They fit in this box, right? I have professional dreams. I have professional dreams for my career, for my um, practice, for my school, for TKU, for um, things like that. But here's what I find. It was funny because this is what the Holy Spirit spoke through this. My husband was looking up an article, and he probably would be so mad if I was telling on him. But he, um, he's not, he's not a, quite a Tony or a Leo, but he's like could, could a little bit be there. But he was Googling how to not make your work your identity. And it just hit me in the chest when I saw that on his browser because I realized what the Holy Spirit was saying in that is we have to separate what we do from who we are. Because you know, our culture is so much, what do you do? I'm guilty. I'll get on an elevator. I'll be at a party. I'll be at a dinner. And I'm like, so what do you do during the day? That's my question. It's horrible. And when I say it out loud, it makes me kind of want to throw up in my mouth a little. But it's true. I'll ask people, like, what do you do during the day? And the fact is, I have made an assimilation that what you do is who you are. And that's a lie from the enemy. I am a counselor. That's true. It's true by trade, but that is not all I am. That's not all that comprises me. It's what I choose to do with my vocation. It's something I'm passionate about. It's something I'm called to. I'm not negating any of that. But my, if my identity is wrapped up in what I do professionally, then I am bound to fail and quit because I haven't always had the best go of everything, right? There's days where you're kind of like, what am I doing this for? right? Anyone? No one? Okay, everyone loves what they do all the time. That's fine. Um, but, but I've had days where I don't, I know that if that wraps up together. Another thing is you have to have family goals. If you have family, you have to have family goals. Like, where do we want to be as a family? What do we want to do? You know, ours for 2020, I know for sure, is we want to get outside more. I want to be outside more. The screens do take over your life. I want to be outside more. I want to be in nature more. I want to hike. I want to see things that are beautiful. And then lastly, I put business. So that kind of goes with professional, but that can be like more of a business thing. Like, where do you want to see yourself? All right, our calling is ever evolving. And I feel like, um, I always say this to people, my grandfather was an electrician, so was my husband's grandfather, and they both were in the military, retired from the military, worked in civilian life, and did electrician work their entire time. Like, they were they were. Um, working at working age, they retired, got the watch, sent, went into retirement, and they fished. Like literally, it's like textbook. We're not there anymore. And I think that's a hard thing for people to grasp. Sometimes our culture is ever evolving, and it's actually statistically proven that you'll have seven careers throughout your lifetime, not jobs, careers. Like, and I'm thinking about how many I've already. I'm like, how many have I done? How many do I have left? And I think what we have to do is we have to say our calling is ever-evolving. It's not a destination. It's a journey. I know my mom, my mom's been in education for 30, 40 years, long time, 30 to 40 years. I don't know exactly the number. But I've seen her calling even evolve being in the same place, in the same job. It's like she's been called to do Bible. She's been called to do this. She's been called to do different things. And I think we just can't get stagnant. So one other word of caution um, and just bear with me. I'm like told you it's a little random, but I just feel like the Holy Spirit was giving me a lot of different things. 
is that um, you can't tie your dreams to a person. You can't tie your dreams to a person. This will always leave you stalled and codependent. And I feel like so many people, I see them do that. Well, if you do this, and if I have to be transparent, I think I've been guilty of this with my husband sometimes. Well, when you have this happen, then I can. Well, when this goes, then I will. And it's like so unhealthy. Because what I'm doing is I'm tying what I'm called to do. I'm tying what I feel like I'm built for to someone else. And dreams were never meant to be tied to a human. They were always meant to be tied to the Holy Spirit. I want to be connected to the Lord and let him drive my dreams. Now, I will say he doesn't work in disunity. So if he's going to speak, he's going to speak in unity. If he's going to speak to me, he's going to speak to James, and we're going to have unity. Anytime the Holy Spirit is present, he doesn't ever work in disunity. So it's one of those things that we both have to go and we have to hear, and you have to trust that. And sometimes I will say I know some people don't have the luxury of having a spouse that might hear, or someone even that you partner with in life if you're single. But I encourage you to find someone, and not to dishonor your spouse, but you need a friend then. You need a friend that will pray with you. You need a friend that will seek with you. You need a friend that will say to you, okay, like we're going to go to town on this. We're going to both intercede, and we're going to see, is this what God's calling you to? And I think unity always comes. The moment we limit God is the moment we limit our life. And I think so many times I see people who will see the Lord the way they've seen their family. And I always, I know this is just a small nugget, but it's like how you were raised, kind of your story, the tapes in your mind. It's like I think that that dictates how we might see the goodness of our Lord, the goodness of our Father. So I think it's crucial that we allow ourselves to see that correlation so that we can break it apart, so that we can separate it. Because the moment we try to put those two together, I think is the moment we then limit the Lord. We limit his goodness, his faithfulness. He sees with vision that we do not have. It's crucial that we do not allow our vision to overtake his. I think about this in terms of, I have a daughter, she's four, her name's Emerson. And she will run ahead a lot of times when we're at places. She'll run ahead, run, run. And I see what happens in that moment. And sometimes there's a, there's a space in which that's acceptable. Like if we were here and she ran to the door, great, run to the door. But the moment she crosses that threshold, I no longer can steward and protect her anymore. If she even gets close to that road, it's on. You're going to see me run like the wind. But what we do so often is we let our dreams and our visions and the things that we have for our life go too far out ahead of the Lord. We cast a vision, we throw it out there, we say, here's what I want to see, Lord, here's what I want to do, here it goes, and we throw it out there. But you know what? We forget to let him follow us along. We go so far ahead that he can no longer protect us. And I know that sounds weird to say about the Lord because he's always protecting us. Like he's good and he's grace and there's things like that. But sometimes I've seen so many people try to run ahead. And it just doesn't leave much time for him to catch up. I think about this, um, when I think about that, my grandma, I grew up in West Virginia. We, my grandmother, I'll never forget, um, she had this porch on her, on her patio, and it was like that plastic kind of ribbed stuff. 
And it was like, cover her porch. And so when it'd be rainy days and we would stay with her, we'd go outside still, but we'd be on the porch. And I could just remember the sound of the rain just hitting that plastic and how it just brings back memories of being there with her and playing in her yard. But the Holy Spirit showed me this vision a while ago, and he said, I can only protect you as far as I cover you. But the moment you step out from under my covering is the moment that I can no longer protect you. And I feel like that vision has stuck with me for some time of like as long as I'm in obedience and as long as he's leading and as long as I'm checking in, hey, we good? We good? Okay, we're going, right? I'm under that covering. The rain is not going to douse me. But the moment I step out from under there, no matter how much I want the covering, it's not there. You can't make it be there. And I feel like I just want to say that to you because I feel like sometimes we do run out ahead. Sometimes we think we have to make it work. We want to finagle it. And that's not his best intention. The Holy Spirit can equip you for the impossible. I feel like I just want to activate some of you today and say that dream isn't impossible. Whatever the thing is that's been sort of rolling around in your spirit, it's not impossible. You may not see it right now in the physical, but it's not impossible. I remember my, my husband and I were talking about this just the other day. This was probably so 10 years ago. It was probably 2009, maybe 2008. I remember we were married and we were walking through the South Lake Town Square holding hands. And I just remember um, noticing up above the retail stores were office spaces. And I remember looking at my husband and saying, I want to have an office here someday. And he, he was like, okay, cool. Like knowing my husband's like, you know, super great, always like supports me. But I think in his mind, I could tell he was like, okay, that's a big pipe dream. You're not even practicing. You're in grad school. You're not, you're working at, at the school. Like there's no way. And I, I fast forward. So um, to, to 20, about 2010, I'm working in a practice. And I feel like the Holy Spirit says, now's the time for you to step out on your own. And I was like, Ugh. like, no way. I actually was part of a group that um, was a leadership development group that really propelled me to dream. Which So don't, don't at all despise. I know that you're not, but despise today. Because I signed up for this thing and thought, okay, this is going to be awesome. Little did I know that the trajectory of my life would change. And I will say to you that your trajectory may change after today. I know that's what's prayed into, and I know that's the vision of it. So anyway, we, um, I remember the Lord said, I want you to step out on your own. So I don't even know how it happened. We contacted a broker, and she said, hey, I have a space in South Lake Town Square. And I remember my spirit was like, <gasps> like, leapt, you know that feeling? And so we called her. We went. We saw it. We were like, okay, this could work. Well, we didn't give her our name. or We gave her our name, but we didn't give her our driver's license any money. We didn't fill out any application. Well, the lease got executed anyway. So if you can imagine, if you know anything about real estate, like this is totally the Lord. The lease got executed anyway. We literally were shocked. So we get a phone call and from this guy and he says, hey, you haven't paid your rent. We're like, uh, what? Like, what are you talking about? And basically they executed a sublease for the space in the town square and didn't really let us know. Literally, till the next day, we got papers in the mail. 
So we were like, how did this happen? We signed nothing. We didn't, I mean, literally not even a copy of our driver's license. We had to take a copy of our driver's license to this place to then show that we're legitimate people. <laughs> and, but literally, my husband has the conversation with the guy, and we had all intentions of backing out of this lease. We're like, we can't afford it. Like, there's no way. This is like too much, too much of a thing. So literally, um, my husband meets with the guy, and at the time, so we were at Gateway, and my husband was a deacon, and he says, um, oh, my gosh, I just moved my family here to go to Gateway. He goes, that's so cool. You're a deacon at Gateway. This is so fun. So, like, they have this amazing coffee, and he says, I want to bless you with two months free rent. He said, so I want you to come. I want you to stay here, and I'm going to give you two months free rent. Guys, you don't even know. Like, it's insane because, one, we really didn't have the money. Like at all, like it was not, it was literally like, we're going to, we're going to fail. We're going to lose this. We're never going to get it. But the execution happened. This guy gave us favor and grace. We moved in and I actually spent eight years in South Lake Town Square. I, um, and then we found out. So my lease was probably, I think two years, three years with him. I had two years left on the sublease. So we go to renew the lease and they're like, okay, here, where do you want to be? So we found another space. We moved from above Corner Bakery to above Starbucks. And literally our accountant says, how are you doing this? We're like, what do you mean? They said, you need eight years of tax history to even sniff the South Lake Town Square. He said, they will not even speak to anyone with eight years of le or less of tax history because they want to know that you're a credible source. But because we were faithful in that two years, the Lord kind of was like, you're going. And we had favor. We were established in, the, in their eyes and we're able to stay for another five years. I just recently moved out almost two years ago just because um, we wanted a little more of a home feel and we just decided it would be a better move for us. We had um, been there for some time. But literally, I'll tell you right now, the Lord can do the impossible because that is the impossible. I would have never signed on the dotted. We would have never signed on that line ever. We know full well and never had the favor of this guy who gave us his blessing and gave us a, a break and really made a way for us to grow our business. I feel like the moment we, I always think about like kids in glass, and I feel like the moment we smudge it with our human hands is the moment we interrupt the spirit working on our behalf. Just like kind of just, uh, 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 like I want to get my human on the supernatural. And I think we have to be careful of that. I always say regret. It's easy to have regret in some instances like that. You know, you can look back and be like, oh, I missed it. But you know what I call regret? Regret is worry in reverse. And we have enough worry already. <laughs> I don't need to worry in reverse. I've got, I've already, that stuff's already happened. So if you've missed a moment, that's okay. There's the future, right? Move forward. I just want to talk about comparison for a second. And then I have a couple other revelations to leave with you, Okay. I feel like when I think about skill, like I told you, I'm not the best therapist. I'm not the most skilled. I'm not the most lettered. I'm not. But when I think about the thing for me that kills my skill the most, it's comparison. That's one of the things. There's a, the fear is the other. But comparison is a huge thing. And I feel like the Holy Spirit said comparison is the subtle arsenic of the enemy to kill our destiny. It's like this secret little poison that he just kind of like, I'm just going to give a couple drops, 
bloop, bloop, couple more drops, bloop, bloop, like look around, see. And I remember I um, started in practice with a friend, and we're still dear friends, but he's written like a bajillion books. <laughs> and literally I'm like, I have one and a half. <laughs> and I just think about all the times when I look, oh, look, he's traveling here, or he's doing this, or he's doing that, or look, they've done this, or oh, look, that, this. And I, I, the second I look around is the moment that I begin to feel poisoned, that what I have is not of God. And that's such a lie. It opens a door for us. Comparison opens a door for us to remain perpetually distracted. Perpetually distracted because we're always like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What do you, what do you got? What do you got? What do you, oh, you, oh, this, oh, that, right? We're continually looking. We feel less than. I have yet to find the enemy come with comparison and make me feel better. And if, he, if it does come out like that where I'm like, well, actually, I have blah, 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 them. that's not ever the Lord either because he doesn't work like that. That's my own insecurity. That's my insecurity raising its ugly head. We strive for something we shouldn't strive for. I always talk about comparison. I think about a road, you know, when you're driving and then you get distracted and you veer out of the lane. That's exactly what happens. As we start looking around, we start trying to drive on someone else's road. And I felt like I heard the Holy Spirit say this. He said, when you're in your lane, you can go as fast as you want. And it's really true. When I'm driving in my lane, I just go as fast as I want. I just got to taste that. This week of the thing that I've been procrastinating, I got to taste it. I drove a thousand miles an hour because there was nothing in my way. There was no distraction. I knew that I was called for this moment in this time right here, right now. And we ultimately steals our attention. The Lord has something before you that you're to do, even tomorrow. Clean your desk, maybe. Like whatever it is, whatever the things the Holy Spirit has said to you all day today, there are things for you to do tomorrow. And wouldn't the enemy want nothing but to keep you distracted? To turn you away from the very intentions. You've set some intentions today, I feel. So wouldn't he want to take you away from those intentions? Anything that steals has to come from the enemy. It's not in the nature of our king who gives and bestows. I have yet to find anywhere in scripture that says the Lord steals. He doesn't steal. He bestows. Comparison, if you define it, I told you I love definitions, it's the act or process of comparing. So what I felt like the Holy Spirit said there is it's an, it takes engagement. It takes action. If I'm going to physically look and say you have this or look and say they have that, it takes action for me to compare. It takes action for me to do that in my skill. It really means this kind of a fear that creeps in of not being enough right? And fear of being selfish sometimes, of looking too much introspection. But I felt like this was the main thing that the Lord wanted me to share with you. I know I've shared a lot with you. I just let him download and I just deliver and then whatever happens for y'all is up to you. But I felt like he said there's a sharp difference between fear of the Lord and fear of man. And we often get them confused. I had a friend, a mentor. She said to me, she said, Cassie, I want you to write down why you do everything you do. I laughed at her. I was like, okay. I tell this all the time to everybody because it's been one of the best exercises that I've ever had to do. I said, so you physically want me to stop my day and write down why I put on this shirt, why I did this thing. She said, yes. Well, I was disobedient. <laughs> I didn't write it down, but I did do it mentally. And it's changed my life. Because I cannot tell you the number of things that I did for people. 
the number of things that I did. Well, I will wear this shirt because I will see this person. And the last time I saw them, I was going to wear this jacket. So I need to wear something different. Or I need to wear this because I need to be dressed up and I want them to think that I'm professional. And like, I mean, there's just like all of this just like thing going through my head. Well, I need to go to this because my husband got to the point where he said, if you tell me one more time that you have to, he goes, every time you tell me you have to, I'm going to tell you you can't. I was like, no. Like, we had a doubt about that. But he's serious. Like, every time I said, I, but I have to, he'd be like, well, you're not going. The moment I felt this compulsion that if I didn't do X, Y, and Z, that I had to do it. And I feel like what happens is we convolute that with fear of the Lord. So here's some stuff I found in Scripture for you. Fear of the Lord is a spring of living water. Proverbs 14, 27. It's crazy to think that fear could be a spring, but it is. It brings us life. To fear him, to want to do what's right by him, to want him to lead our life, that is, that is living water. To fear the Lord is a school in skilled living. Proverbs 15, 16. I love Proverbs because you could just literally glean on that for I could glean on Proverbs forever. I know that's not what we're intended to do, but just there's so many rich nuggets in there. The fear of the Lord is school in skilled living. And what I find with this is if we are obedient to him, he will equip us with the skill for things that we never knew we needed. Meaning that he leads you in this place. He leads you to meet these people. He leads you to know this thing. He leads you to go to a certain place. And it's our own fear of man that keeps us from the fear of the Lord that wants to equip us. The fear of the Lord expands your life, Proverbs 10, 27. It expands your life. He has, um, one of the things that I feel, I'm going to say it confidently, even though that's against me, my character usually, but it's say, one of the things that I feel like I am very good at is connection. I feel like I love to know people and like plug them into each other. Like that is like one of my favorite things to do. And I feel like in that, it's that, I have had my life expanded because I've not feared what man would say, but I've done what God told me to do. I've done, I've been obedient. I've let my skill go before me and I've not let my fear rule the day. And I've been like, hey, I just want to meet you real quick. I just want to know you. Hey, tell me about you. And like ended up having these encounters where it's like, okay, you need to meet this person over here and plug you together. It builds up your confidence, fear of the Lord. Proverbs 14, 26. And it's funny because in our culture, I think fear obviously is a negative thing, but fear of the Lord isn't. So what he's, say, what he's saying here is that you're more confident when you can lean on him, when you can lean and know that he's guiding your steps, he's leading your day. He's he, so much so, like I, people think, I might think this is crazy, but I'm like, do you want, which route do you want me to take? Oh, you want me to go here today? Why are you telling me to stop at Target? I do not, but... You go in there, and there you go. You see somebody, or there's an encounter that has to happen. And I remember I went to this dinner. I did not want to go. Literally, it was one of those things where I was like, but I have to. You know, you like feel the feeling, and James actually let me go. And I remember praying in the parking lot. I said, Lord, if I have to be here, will you give me an encounter? Please make it worth my while. So I remember like mingling around with some people, and it was pretty boring. Mingling, mingling, mingling. And all of a sudden, I'm just talking to this couple. And the guy says, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? I literally, you could have thrown me back to the wall because I was like, 
is this really happening? Like, are you, is there a camera? Are you asking? Because it was so out of character. But it was the most amazing opportunity to share with this man who was probably 65 or 70 what it means to be filled with the Spirit. And I just got to talk to him about the Holy Spirit. He had not been introduced to the Holy Spirit ever in his life, even though he had walked with the Lord. And it was just one of the most awesome moments. And I felt so confident to know, okay, Lord, you see me. You see me, and you're leading my steps. It also deflects evil, Proverbs 16, 6. And fear of the Lord is life itself, Proverbs 19, 23. I don't know about you, but I don't want evil around me. I don't want to fear the I don't want to fear man. I want to fear the Lord. So here's some things that fear of men does. Fear of men does? Yes. Con, I'm thinking about conjugation. Fear of man disables you. Proverbs 29:25. I feel like it stops you in your tracks. We talked about this, but it engages you in comparison. I think that's what would make us want to compare. Is I'm so afraid. What are you doing? What are you doing? Am I missing it? Am I missing the boat? Am I I'm going to get left behind? It's like we look at other people instead of looking at where the Lord has us. It steals your joy because it's so hard to be like in the moment, just truly in the moment. We're horrible at that as people. It's to stay in the moment. Like, let's rel- what does it feel like? What does it smell like? So many therapeutic modalities, if I can get really technical, have become much more about awareness. What do you smell? What do you sense? Do you feel the floor beneath you? How does your skin feel? How do you feel? Like, what, do you, what are you smelling? What are you sensing? What are you hearing? And I think so often we lose sight of that moment. It steals our joy. It's a snare. Proverbs 29, 25. It's engagement in idolatry, which I thought that's pretty strong. Engagement in idolatry. It's basically saying I'm idolizing you and your opinion over the opinion of God. It's so scary. I do not want to give anyone, even as much as I love them, even Nika, who I love, I'm like, I do not want her opinion to trump the opinion of the Holy Spirit. Even though I I have respect and I think it's so easy, it steals our authenticity. So I think one of the things I'm most passionate about is people being themselves. Find your identity. Who are you? Let's figure it out. And what happens is when we're too busy comparing, when we're too busy contrasting, when we're too busy trying to say, like, I'm afraid, what are you going to think? I'm afraid, what are you going to think? I'm afraid, what are you going to think? That I can't be myself because I'm too busy comparing. I'm too busy fearing what you're going to think to actually walk out what I'm called to. And it brings lies into our life. So here's some things I think that fear can do for you. As we're thinking about your skill in whatever place it is, wherever it is, whatever you're called to, whatever is your sphere of influence, it's too late. It's too late. I feel like that's a lie of the enemy. It's too late. It is not too late. But here's what we do sometimes. We think that he's doing nothing. We decide to do something, right? And I feel like it's never too late. There is a strategic time for you. There's a strategic time for what he's birthed in you. There's a strategic time and place for you to do exactly what you're called to do. And just because it's not on your timetable doesn't mean he's too late. I can't find a scripture that says he's not on time. Another one is I'm too old. Honestly, I feel I'm blessed at TKU. I get to lead students from 20 to 
all the way up to 75. <coughs> and I find that my 75-year-old students are some of my favorite, only because I feel, and this is a Cassie opinion, this does not reflect any, give the disclaimer, anybody else's opinion, but it's like, I feel like our culture is eroding because we're failing to acknowledge the wisdom of older generations. There's wisdom and there's life lived. There's vicarious learning through their mistakes. There's things that they've walked through that, frankly, I don't want to walk through. Tell me how you walked through that so I don't have to do it myself. And I just want to say to you, if you've let that cross your mind that you're too old, that's a lie from the pit of hell. You are not too old. There is someone who needs your wisdom and your revelation and what you've experienced to impact their life right now. I need it. I want people around me that are seasoned, that are seasoned saints, that have prayed through some things, that have lived through some things, that have endured hard tests of time because I don't know all that I need to know. And I don't think I ever will until the day I die. I hope. I hope that I'm always learning and seeking. There is a need for older saints to model wisdom, true wisdom. As our culture erodes, we need people who can uphold the integrity of a handwritten letter. I live for a handwritten letter. I have a whole shoebox of note cards for that reason because I will keep it alive single-handedly. But I feel like this generation has it's given up on things like that. Like, how do you throw a baby shower? These are practical things for women sometimes. How do you do certain things? It's like, I need wisdom for people to show me. Another thing is this, you might think you're too young. I read a thing yesterday. I can't remember who said it. I wish I would have written it down. But it said, these kids now in high school are taking AP exams. They're learning to drive. They're getting jobs. They're, they're doing all these things. They're going off to the military. Why can't they serve in church? It was kind of the quote, and I'm botching it really bad. But it was the fact of like, why do we say there's a junior Holy Spirit? Because there's not a junior Holy Spirit. My little girl, it's so funny, she senses and hears the Lord. We've taught her at four. She'll say, Mom, the shadows are in my room. Like, literally like that now. And I'm like, okay, what do you do? She said, Holy Spirit, come. I'm going back to sleep. Like, literally, she knows that when she senses that darkness, that she knows what to do. And her sensitivity is no less than mine. And I just want to say to you, if you feel like you're too young, you don't know. There are companies, ideas, dreams, birth out of 15-year-olds. Another thing is you're not in the right background. You don't have the right background. You've made some mistakes. You've done some things. You know, honestly, with my story, which I won't get into because we're we're, I'm almost out of time, but is I should be in a trailer on meth with five kids from five different dads. Literally, that's where I should be. But instead, I'm standing here in North Richland Hills talking to you about identity and about fear and about um, finding your skill right now. I shouldn't have gotten out of where I lived in West Virginia. I don't know if you feel the same coming out of West Virginia, but it's like I shouldn't have gotten out of there. I experienced every kind of abuse. I had all, I had all these things happen to me. I shouldn't be where I am. So there's not a right background. There's not a right pedigree for things of the Lord. There's not a right story that you have to have. Some people always, I'll hear this too, their testimony doesn't have a lot of spice, but it's like, there's, doesn't mean your testimony doesn't have a lot of spice. You grew up in the church. There's still a story for you to tell. There's still things that you've endured. 
Last thing I want to say is this last word I felt like the Lord was saying to you, and I'm going to leave you with this. I was praying for you about a week ago, and I felt like the Lord said this. He said, um, stop trying to use the wrong tool to do the job. And I feel like part of that is this, is that some of you have some skills that you've subdued. Some things, and, if, and what he said was, he said, you're trying to fit an old dream into a new season. He also said, when you use the wrong tool, it strips you from what you're really called to do. You know this if you've ever tried to screw in a screw. Maybe some of you haven't, but when you go to screw in a screw and it, it's hard to use the wrong type of screwdriver, you're going to strip the screw, which then means that it will not come out anymore and you've basically ruined whatever you've ruined. It takes a lot of work to get it fixed. And I feel like some of you have been trying to do that. You've been trying to use the wrong tool in this season. You've been trying to use an old skill because fear has kept you from the new skill that the Holy Spirit has called you to equip yourself with. And I feel like he's saying, don't strip it. Don't strip the screw. Don't strip the piece. Like, use the right tool. And that requires you to press into me. The Holy Spirit is saying this. Press into me and be equipped for what this next year, 2020, what this next season holds. So I'm so honored to be here. Thank you, Nika, for having me. Thank you for giving me opportunity just to share some of the wisdom that the Holy Spirit gave me. I'm so honored. So encouraging, right? I knew Cassie's message would spur you on to good works, knowing that you are not the only one who's working. The Holy Spirit is working on your behalf. So take heart and keep writing. Hey there, have you been dreaming about working with someone like me for a one-on-one coaching? I can assure you that working with a private coach is one of the best decisions I've ever made. Any investment you make in your mental health brings a return. And any investment you make in your divine calling brings a return too. So stop asking yourself if you're worth the investment you are. And God's assignment on your life is worth the investment too. In fact, you honor him by taking a step of faith toward the unknown. You don't even have to feel 100% sure of yourself in order to get started. All you need is to be 10% sure of yourself. Then my job as your coach is to bring the other 90% of belief in you to each and every appointment. Let me carry the big weight for you as you get stronger. Your first step is to get started by scheduling a consultation call with me to see if we'd be a good fit to work together. I only do three consultation calls a week. So grab your appointment before my digital calendar hits the max and closes. Just go to nikamaples.com forward slash coaching to book your call. Here we go.